It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for stopping by on the show today. One of my favorite people, lawyer Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans disability benefits as well as Social Security disability benefits. He's a founding partner of Jackson McNichol. He most recently appeared as a guest of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show discussing benefits of veterans and Social Security disability benefits and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people who are facing disability. Francis has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. He's also been quoted in USA Today and is listed in Cambridge's Who's Who. Francis was honored by a National Academy of Best was honored by the National Academy of Bestselling Authors with a Quilly Award uh, for his contribution as a joint author to the best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. Also in 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. For more information, please visit, share, VeteransBenefits.com, VeteransBenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thanks, Bert. Always a pleasure. Well, and, and interestingly enough, you got uh, you had a little bit of a hiccup there. You were on vacation and you got stuck uh, uh, in, in a quarantine situation. In um, what, what what town were you were you beautifully stuck in again? We were in uh, we were in Prague in the Czech Republic. My uh, my my wife uh, tested positive for COVID before we were supposed to fly back, and you're not allowed to come to the U.S. if you test positive for COVID. So <laughs> we, uh, yeah, we, we spent some extra time in Prague. Yeah, and, and and I understand. I've never been, but I understand Prague is like one of the most uh, what do you call it beautiful places to be stuck in when you have to go through that quarantine situation. That's right, Bert. It's uh, it's a beautiful city, very picturesque, very friendly people. Unfortunately, my wife uh, was stuck in quarantine in the hotel room, but once I tested negative, I, I was able to be out and about. So uh, it, it, was a, it was an interesting time, let's put it that way. Sure, absolutely. All right, so let, let's dive into our one of our favorite subjects here, which is um, uh, our, our very wonderful, brave men and women are vets who are sometimes come home with all sorts of uh, disabilities and, and uh, mental uh, disabilities as well. So my first question, are there any new benefits for disabled vets? There are, Bert. There's, there's actually, I, I personally think this is a really big deal. Um, as you can probably imagine, lots of folks with serious disabilities, um, including seriously disabled vets, are not able to get life insurance because the insurance people think they're bad risks. But the uh, the Congress enacted and VA is about to uh, to uh, put into effect starting January 1st a an entirely new program of life insurance for veterans with disabilities. Uh, if you're a disabled vet and you have a rating of 10% disabled or higher. Um, 
you can qualify for the program. You can get life insurance in $10,000 increments up to $40,000, so 10, 20, 30, or 40. And uh, there's no um, there's no screening. There's, it's guaranteed acceptance. If you're a veteran with uh, a uh, disability recognized by the Department of Veterans Affairs, you are automatically eligible. You just have to sign up and pay the premiums. And I think that's really a, a, a super big deal because um, some of these folks would never qualify for commercially available insurance. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I think it's a fantastic thing. Uh, grateful for our government uh, stepping in and helping out with that. And, you know, just to put it in perspective, I think last time I looked, the average funeral is somewhere in the almost $20,000 range, seventeen dollars to $20,000, I believe is the average, somewhere within that, that range yep. there, which is a lot. That's right. And, you know, the... Uh... The, the one limitation is uh, you have to be under 80 years old when you when you apply. But you know, still in all, I, it's a it's a very it's a very good deal. Um, you know, uh, some of these folks um, uh, are are just not eligible at all uh, with a commercial insurer. So it's a it's a really a, uh, I I think it's a big deal. I agree. I think it's a fantastic deal. Um, uh, and and uh, again, I'm grateful that they have that opportunity. Uh, l- let me ask you this: um, I know in the past that we have talked about PACT Act, the PACT Act, P-A-C-T Act, and I wanted to know if you had any updates on that. Uh, anything happening with the PACT Act? Sure, uh, it's a tongue twister, but uh, <laughs> as, as you'll recall, PACT stands for honoring our promise to address comprehensive toxics acts. And it's, it's, um, it's really a big deal because what's going on here is this bill establishes an entitlement both to health care through the VA and to disability compensation for people who suffered from exposure to burn pits in particularly Iraq and Afghanistan, other places as well. And, and there are other elements of the bill as well. But but the, the big deal is that those folks who've been getting turned down, and most of them have, for uh, diseases related to toxic exposure from the smoke from the burn pits uh, are now going to be in a position to get both health care for their uh, problems and uh, disability compensation to the extent that they're disabled by these problems. And uh, one element that's particularly important, I think, is it includes um, a presumption for um, hypertension to be service-connected. And that's a big deal because lots of people in the age range to have come back from Iraq and Afghanistan are also at the age where hypertension is a major problem and uh, it's exacerbated for those folks who are exposed to the burn pits. So that's a big deal. One of the other things that's going on here, Bert, is it creates a framework for uh, establishing presumptions in the future based on burn pit exposure and other toxic exposures. And that's important because, as you may remember, 
With Agent Orange, we now have a bunch of conditions that are presumptively service-connected. So a person who was in Vietnam and exposed to Agent Orange can basically say, I was in Vietnam during this period, and I now have this condition, and the VA will automatically service-connect that condition. And we're doing the they're setting up a similar framework. That's probably the best way to put it in this bill for creating future presumptions as the medical evidence uh, comes in. As, as you know, with Vietnam and Agent Orange, it's taken many years for lots of these uh, conditions to be shown to be presumptively connected to exposure to Agent Orange just because it takes so long for these cancers to develop and to get the statistics showing that these folks who are in the service have significantly higher rates than the normal civilian population. So this framework that they're building in as they go in this bill is a big deal. And we have talked about it. It passed in the House. And the important news here is that um, it looks like there's a deal in the Senate. Uh, last month, just before Memorial Day, Senator Tester, uh, who is the ranking Democrat on the committee, and Senator Jerry Moran from Kansas, who's the ranking Republican, uh, announced that they had worked out a deal with the Senate leadership um, to uh, to pass this bill. So it's possible that it will be uh, passed in the Senate, reconciled with the House version, and on the president's desk by the end of this month or at least before the summer recess, which is the goal. So um, it's uh, it's really a, a a landmark bill, and I'm I'm very pleased to see that it looks like it's going to get through the Senate finally. As you know, the Senate these days is pretty contentious, and there are lots of yeah. folks who uh, who get uh, very concerned when they see a bill that has a big price tag like this one. So um, it's uh, it's, it's headed in the right direction. It looks like it's a done deal, although, as you know, anything that involves uh, political compromise can go wrong at the last minute and blow up. But it looks like this is a done deal, finally. That is exciting, yes. And, and yes, it is contentions, and yes, it can blow up at the last second. But it it, uh, it is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, so I'm excited for our vets for that Uh and and so yeah, that's good news. That's uh, very good news. It really is. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, you know, uh, I think one of the things that we hear most about our veterans, uh, and, uh, um, and and even some of our active duty troops, is the suicide rate. Um, and again, it's even. I think it's it's pretty high for veterans. Um, any developments in there? Yeah, Bert. There are, there are actually a couple of interesting developments. Um, probably the the biggest news is a study from uh, Brown University's Watson Institute for International and Public Affairs, and came out a little, little you know a month um, about a month ago now, and. Since um, 9-11, we've lost just over 7,000 service members who died in various conflicts around the world. In that same period, 
the Brown study put together the numbers and estimated that we've lost over 30,000 active duty personnel and veterans to suicide. Wow. So like more than four times. Um, right. You know, that's that's really a big deal. And so they, they tried to look at uh, what is causing this because there was a time, um, not not too long ago, actually, around the, in the early 2000s, when civilians had a higher rate of suicide than those in the military. Since 9-11, that has changed. Uh, now there's a higher rate of, uh, of suicide in, uh, in and among veterans in particular, but also active duty troops. And one of the reasons that um, the study suggests for that is that in Afghanistan and Iraq, there were lots of serious casualties. Um, people would get, get uh, injured and then would be redeployed again after they recovered. Um, and the, uh, the result of, of, of our, <laughs> the, the unintended result of our improving medical treatment is that um, wounded service members would be back in active service even after they had been seriously injured, and they might deploy and redeploy um, several times even after sustaining serious injuries. And the the net result is a higher level of, of just overall trauma than troops have experienced in the past, according to the Institute study. And one of the things they pointed out was that um, a major cause of injuries in both Iraq and Afghanistan has been the um, the IED, the improvised uh, explosive device. And one of the things about that is that um, as many as 20% of all post-9-11 service members may have sustained a traumatic brain injury as a result uh, primarily of IEDs, but also from other causes. So um, in uh, in the uh, troops uh, deployed in Afghanistan in particular, uh, they found that nearly half of all the service members who were deployed had experienced at least one TBI, and over 10% had experienced more than three and you know it's it's not not good for people to have the brain bounced around like that. It's just not good. Uh, the result is that it leaves people in many cases with uh, what has been abbreviated to TBI, but it stands for traumatic brain injury, and it means that you are exposed to a force that slams the head in such a way that the brain, which kind of floats in liquid inside the, the skull gets bounced against the side of the skull and often that's what they call a contra coup injury where it gets bounced back against the other side. And the, the result of that, particularly if you have more than one, is to cause damage to the cells in the brain and cause deteriorating brain function. And it can be expressed in lots of different ways. There, there are obviously various parts of the brain that, that do different things, but one of the things that uh, is often the result is serious depression or anxiety, 
And as, as you know, um, those conditions tend to contribute to uh, potential suicide. And, you know, the, the study found that the high level of trauma of all kinds, whether it was mental, physical, uh, moral trauma, you know, facing very difficult circumstances where uh, you might risk shooting a, a perfectly innocent person in order to defend yourself against someone who is definitely not innocent, not innocent. And just overall levels of stress and burnout, um, access to guns, difficulty reintegrating into civilian life, all of those factors are contributing um, to uh, the high level of suicide. And they said that, or they found that um, the, the largest numbers are among young, white, non-Hispanic men in their 20s in the Army or Marine Corps. Um, and that the rates were higher, as you would suspect, for those who were divorced or separated or facing financial problems. But all in all, it's uh, it's just that folks are exposed to a very high level of stress uh, when they're deployed, and multiple deployments just reinforces and makes it worse. And the net result of all that is that um, the the uh, the rates of suicide are are up pretty dramatically, unfortunately. That's yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and and uh, I I think I think uh, you know I don't know redeploying somebody who's just recovered from a a TBI, a traumatic brain injury, or or some other. Uh, what do you call it, uh, significant inter- injury, you know, should be something that is uh, an option that uh, the troop himself or herself decides whether they want to go back in or not. That seems uh, it seems pretty uh, – yeah, put it like this. If I had just suffered a major injury, I don't think I want to go back out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, troops don't get that choice. Right. Uh, once, they, once, once they're medically cleared, it's uh, wherever they ordered to go. But there is one uh, one related bright spot, uh, Bert. Uh, the Department of Veterans Affairs is launching a contest um, with twenty million dollars in prizes um, to be awarded to entrants with the best ideas for reducing veteran suicides. Um, they're setting up this competition that they're calling Mission Daybreak, and the idea is to bring bring in uh, new perspectives and concepts that the department can use to help save veterans. The uh, the top winners will get prizes of three million and one million, and there are also prizes of two hundred fifty thousand and one hundred thousand, um, you know, over over a range to uh, make up a total of uh, twenty million. Uh, you know, if uh, anybody who's listening wants to participate, there's a website. Uh, the VA has a website for the concept uh, for the contest. Just look for Mission Daybreak. And um, Secretary McDonough said uh, that to end veteran suicide, we need to use every tool available. And his goal in Mission Daybreak is fostering solutions uh, across a broad spectrum to try to combat this problem. And that. Seems to uh, seems to make sense to me. It's uh, it's been a problem, you know, in uh, 
in 2019 alone, over 6,000 veterans committed suicide. So, How many? You know, over 6,000 in 2019. Wow. So it it uh, it adds up fast, and um, it's uh, as I said now uh, ahead of the uh, the rate for uh, civilians and. Rate for civilians is is also up, as you may know, but um, the 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 rate among vets is worse. So anybody can participate in this contest. Um, individuals, researchers, corporations, advocates, any anybody that's got an idea is uh, is welcome to uh, to submit their concept paper to uh, the Mission Daybreak website and. They're going to select ultimately uh, 30 finalists to move on to the second phase. Um, each of those folks will get, or each of those entrants will get at least 250,000, and they may, uh, depending on their their proposal, uh, get additional resources from the VA to uh, support and develop the the idea. Um, and uh, 10 others will uh, get kind of an honorable mention award, but a hundred thousand dollars, so that's a, that's a pretty honorable mention. Um, yeah, it is. Even though, even though they don't get to go further in the in the competition, but overall, it's a it's a big deal. I mean, the uh, the, the 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 VA has modeled this on the, the Defense Advanced Research Project Grand Challenge process, which um, does the same kind of thing, develops uh, concepts around a particular topic, but it's um you know um it's a big deal and i'm i'm hoping that it's big enough money that uh people with some really good ideas will step forward and it will uh, ultimately uh lead to uh, a serious uh, uh opportunity to reduce veteran suicide because it's uh, it's become a terrible thing yeah no absolutely absolutely um uh... And again, I, I think this is. Uh, it, it, I'm surprised, in, in a very happy way, that our government is being so innovative, and and making in, in making a contest, because we have seen these contests work over over and over again, uh, in different areas. X Prize is one of them, and and. Uh, I think Bill Gates uh, did a contest, and he was able to uh, – they created several toilets that didn't require water for, for some of these third world countries where running water uh, doesn't exist, and, and that was their way of, of helping reduce or cure uh, diarrhea and, and some of the other diseases. Um, so we have a track record that, uh, for lack of better terms, gamifying – works or gamifying works to come up with innovative solutions. So I think, uh, I think this is great. I'm, I'm excited that, that uh, the VA is doing this. You know, I, I really think uh, Secretary McDonough is, is doing his best to, to do what's right for veterans. And I'm, I'm hopeful that over the next couple of years, we'll, we'll see uh, further advances. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, let me ask you this. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about this thing called forever chemicals. Is that an issue at all with our veterans? Well, it's 
the answer is probably yes. What's going on, Bert, is that the Department of Defense has been uh, required now to report testing for these chemicals in, in groundwater around their bases. And what they found is that in several states, there are very high concentrations of these uh, PFAs um, around various military bases, um, Washington State, Pennsylvania, Florida, Michigan, um, all of them have found uh, very high concentrations in the groundwater. And the, these, uh, these chemicals, which have a long chemical name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but the short version is PFAs, um, what, what has happened is that these are used in firefighting foam, and uh-huh. the uh, the result is that near air bases um, uh, and and some other bases as well, but primarily air bases where there are regular drills for the firefighting crews, and they put out this foam, it leaches off the runway and sinks into the groundwater, and the net result is that the groundwater has uh, absorbed a lot of it because it's these are these are they're called forever chemicals for a reason. They they don't break down. They in fact tend to accumulate uh, both in the ground and in uh, humans and animals. So um, it's it's concerning that the um, concentration levels are much much higher than what the Environmental Protection Agency is says is uh, safe for human consumption, mm. and we're not really at the at the place where uh, there's a lot of discussion about the impact of these chemicals on veterans yet, um, but I, I think it's inevitable that that's what we're going to see. I'm, I'm sure you remember that um, the contaminated water in uh, Camp Lejeune um, in North Carolina has... Uh, found to be a source of a number of different uh, kinds of medical problems for veterans. And uh, within the last couple of years, they've established some presumptions for um, problems like uh, kidney cancer and so on from those chemicals. And I, I think what we're seeing with the forever chemicals is that's, that's where we're headed, that these things are going to, uh, are going to start uh, becoming the basis for, claims of disability as the medical um, evidence becomes more sophisticated about the impact of these things on the human body and what various uh, kinds of medical problems they cause. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, You know, this is one of those things that, uh, what do they call it, first world problems? You know, we're, we're developing all these different chemicals and all these different Things and sometimes they have unforeseen consequences. Um, you know what? Let me ask you this. Um, I kind of want to. I, I had this thought when we were talking about the uh, PACT Act, um, and so I wanted to ask you this: What do you think is the most significant disease that is being considered for presumptive status? Um, well, it, 
it kind of depends on how you try to evaluate that. But from my perspective, probably hypertension, just because that is such a widespread problem in the U.S. among older men. Um, mm. You know, the, there are a number of, of these presumptive uh, uh, conditions that are being considered for presumptive status, like uh, bladder cancer finally became presumptive for Agent Orange uh, in the last couple of years. But if you look at the, the absolute numbers across the U.S., those are still relatively small numbers. Hypertension, on the other hand, is huge. I'm, I'm sure you can just off the top of your head think of half a dozen of your friends that are on statins. Um, you know, it's, it's just a very, very widespread problem. So for my money, that's, uh, that's probably the most significant. Yeah, no, that is incredible. Uh, that, uh, you know, and it's interesting that, uh, uh, what do you call it? That, that to me, hypertension is such a, how do I want to word this? I don't know, kind of a, almost a no brainer to, you know, it's, it's, it's a very, as you mentioned, you know, uh, half a dozen People, somebody knows somebody that has hypertension. It's just very common, and it just seems like that the uh, veteran or the VA wouldn't have such a such a big, you know, wouldn't put up such a big roadblock for it because it, uh, you know, it has to do with uh, so many so many of the elements that you find in the military, such as. Uh, exposure to uh, environment, uh, dietary exposure, um, you know, all, all these different things that, uh, you know, that, that our vets are exposed to in the military. Yeah, that's true, Bert. The, the problem is, uh, goes back to being widespread, the, the, the cost of making hypertension uh, presumptively service-connected is is counted in the billions, so that's right. the, that's been the issue. It's uh, you know, it's money. It all it always comes back to the money. You know how that works. Absolutely. Now, now of course, uh, I don't want to seem unpatriotic, but one of the ways to reduce our costs is stop sending our troops all over the world. That's for sure, and. Um, <laughs> I, you know, it, it's been very interesting. I thought the uh, the reaction, uh, you know, to uh, two things that have happened in the last couple of years. Number one, um, President Biden withdrew the troops from Afghanistan, and that, you know, that was messy and not particularly well managed. But right. um, it's it's going to stop there being dead Americans in Afghanistan. Right. Um, and second, the the whole war in Ukraine. Um, it's been very interesting to see that uh, both sides of the aisle, the uh, Republicans and the Democrats, have have been in favor of helping the Ukraine. And I think that's a smart move. Um, you know, I I think it's pretty clear that uh, Russia's President Putin has uh, decided that he wants to try to. Uh, be the new uh, czar and expand the uh, expand Russia to something like its uh, former imperial levels, uh, 
taking over first the Crimea and now invading the Ukraine. And I think it's uh, it's very wise to uh, to be heavily supporting the Ukrainians so that we don't end up in a land war in Europe, which is the next step, I think, if Putin gets through uh, with his little adventure in Ukraine and takes that over. So we'll see. Uh, but it's... it's uh, it's it's uh, it's amazing that we can have a, a land war in Europe in 2022. It, it boggles the mind. It does boggle the mind. Uh, it's it's just uh, you know one one more thing that makes uh, that makes the uh, what do you call it the 2000s the 2000s uh, what do you call it weirder and weirder. But uh, anyway, listen, we're out of time. Francis Jackson, I want to thank you so much for stopping by. And as always, I want everybody to share this episode. If you have questions, visit veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. Francis Jackson, thank you so much for your service and your time today. My pleasure, Bert. You take care. Good stuff there from Francis Jackson. Uh, Guys, we need to support our veterans, and one way of doing it is just share this episode. Let people know. Let our veterans know. If they have questions, they can go to veteransbenefits.com, get them answered, get pointed in the right direction. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, Francis and his team uh, just really have a love and affection for our, our military families. So please share this episode with everyone you know. And as always, my friends, remember you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.